Good morning and welcome to our daily word and prayer. My name is Tom Short. So glad to have you along on this Thursday morning. We've been looking at moving ahead in the new year and not being held back by things of the past, of our, of our past life, the past year. And we're, I, we talked yesterday about sorrow that leads to repentance. So what is repentance? Do you know what that looks like? Do you know what it means? It's a very, very important part of of a, our religious or our Christian experience. A lot of people have difficulty even understanding or defining what the word means. The word literally means to perceive afterwards. It involves a change of mind. It involves understanding something new and different. And because of what I now understand, I change. I no longer think what I used to think. I no longer believe what I used I no longer conclude. It, involves a change of my mind, but it goes so much deeper than that. You know, in the Bible, there's not this room for someone to think one thing and do something different. In the context of of, of the Bible, repentance always included not just a change of mind, but a change of the whole life. When you change what you think, it changed what you do. This is why... why, uh, John the Baptist, when he was, his message was a message of repentance. And people would say, well, what should we do if we repent? And he, and he, he said, bring forth fruit in regards to repentance. The idea that they could genuinely repent and not have fruit with it was not there. Fruit was always the result. A change was always the result. A changed mind would equal a changed life and a change that would go deep within. It's unfortunate today we have many people in the Christian world who simply change their mind, but their life never changes. And obviously, you read the whole tenor of the New Testament. If your life doesn't change, if, things don't, if you don't learn to begin to hate sin and love what's righteous and, and your, 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 your love for the brothers and, and wanting to be in the Word of God and and be around Christians. If none of that happens, well, of course, the book of 1 John says you're not, are you really saved? Now, we're not, this is not my subject today, but let's not get hard on ourselves and say, well, you know, there's some brother I don't love and I'm struggling with. Does that mean I'm not saved? No, there's a change in our life. We're not perfect yet. We still struggle, but there's been a change of direction. There's been a change of kingship in our life. We've come under the authority of God. We've acknowledged that sin, the very essence of sin, is I do what I want to do. The very essence of righteousness is I live the way God has called me to do. And so to a repentance or a turning to God implies a turning from sin and a desire now to be pleasing to the Lord. So keep in mind, so this repentance, a change of mind, a change of the way I think, about God, about Jesus, about myself, about my sin, about what's right, about what's wrong. All of this gets involved in our repentance life. Now, repentance is not the same as remorse. Remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 yesterday, we talked about a sorrow that leads to repentance and a sorrow of the of sorrow of God that leads to repentance and re, that repentance to salvation. And the world's sorrow, worldly sorrow, simply leads to death. 
there are many people, Judas was an example, but there are many people today who are very, very sorry for what they've done. And afterwards they think, boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And what I've done is damaging. It hurts me. There's no real sense they're sorry towards God that they've offended the Almighty, but their sorrow, their sorrow is, I got in trouble, or it didn't work out, or I hurt myself. It's a self-oriented, and that's not true repentance. True repentance understands it's a, it's a change of mind, a change of heart, not only about what I've done, but towards God, and wanting, realizing I've displeased God, and I'd like to be right with God. So as Christians, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And again, remember the context of this. Paul had written in 1 Corinthians, there was a man in the church, and everybody knew about this, who was actually having immoral relations with his father's wife. It was probably maybe a stepmother or something. And this was disgusting and sick and wrong. Everybody knew about it, but they were tolerant, forgiving, accepting, etc. They didn't do anything about it. And in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul rebukes them and he says, this is a terrible thing that's happening. Put this person out of your midst. He must be disciplined by the church for two reasons. Number one, to prevent the church, a little leaven leavens a whole lump, so to prevent the church from being defiled. And number two, in the hopes that he would respond to that discipline, repent, and that he might be truly saved. Well, and was he saved or not? I don't know. Paul called him a so-called brother. He claimed his salvation. His life was so different. Who knows? Only God. But he did repent. And so in 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing, and he's, he's following up on this. The fellow had repented. He'd stopped. The, the, the discipline worked. The church was protected, and the fellow repented. He turned from it. But the people repented, too. The church repented of a tolerance of sin, in probably in the name of love and acceptance, or maybe just cowardice to, to address it. But the church repented as well. And we find that in 2 Corinthians chapter, we read uh, yesterday about how they, Paul's letter had made them sorrowful. He rebuked them pretty hard in 1 Corinthians. The letter made them sorrowful. He said things that had to be said. It was not easy to say. It was not easy to hear. But it had to be said. And they responded, and they responded well. And look at what, verse 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance, a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Again, the two different, I would call the sorrow of the world merely remorse. The sorrow of God, the godly sorrow, leads to repentance. What's this repentance look like? Verse 11, for behold, what earnestness this very thing, this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what avenging of wrong. In everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter. So notice that the repentance the, the godly sorrow leads to repentance. How do you know they repented? Because they cried? No. Because they were sad? No. Because they felt bad? No. That can all be part of worldly sorrow. You know that they had truly repented 
because they they changed. They did something. They 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 responded to what Paul had told them. They they acted on his instruction, and their life changed, and their church changed. They changed, folks. Repentance in the Bible is always in this context of something happens on the inside that affects us on the outside. Something changes on the inside, and it will always <clears throat> change us on the outside. It'll change an attitude. It'll change a behavior. It'll change something. And this is what these Corinthians did. And this is what we should be in our life, too. Don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to expect it. Don't be afraid to do it. <clears throat> you know, we, <clears throat> excuse me if you would, this is what repentance is. And as we lead into this new year, and as you can reflect back on 2021, if there's things that you need to be changing in, let me encourage you to have the same spirit as the Corinthians. Don't be lazy about repentance. Don't be apathetic. If there's changes that God has convicted you of, or if there's sin that God has convicted you to, to leave and get behind, uh, leave behind you and move on, don't be half-hearted, apathetic, lukewarm. Don't be, you know, I'll get around to it sometime. But but these words might these words that describe the Corinthians describe us. I say them again. What vindication of yourself? What fear? What in what longing to change? I really long to change. It's deep within me. What zeal I'm putting forth to change? What avenging of wrong? This is these are serious words. These are strong words of correcting where they had been wrong. And my that spirit of humility, teachability, and willingness to change be alive in us and in our churches today. Father, we thank you today. You are a God of forgiveness and mercy and kindness. And you, we thank you that you take our sins and you delight, you delight to forgive. Father, we acknowledge that we have a part when we have sinned of repentance, of, of, of re rejecting what we've done wrong, of changing on the inside, perceiving I was wrong. What I did was wrong. I'm sorry. And Father, I pray that when we are convicted of that, we would not be lazy, lukewarm, apathetic about repentance. Father, I pray that we, I pray we would never take your forgiveness for granted and that we would never allow the fact that you are so forgiving to cause us to be uncaring when we sin. Give us a sensitivity, we pray, to sinfulness. Give us a willingness to turn from it and give us a zeal, a longing, an indignation of towards sin, a hatred of sin that we had longed to be righteous. I pray, Father, that your merciful spirit towards us, your merciful grace towards us, your kindness towards us would not motivate us, would, would not cause us to be apathetic, but it would motivate us to rise higher and higher and higher 
towards loving you and walking righteously with you. Father, I pray we, sin is all around us and it's so easy to stumble. I pray, Father, give us an intolerance of it. Give us a hatred of it. Help us to see that sin, it leads to destruction. It leads to death. Help us not fall for the lies and the traps of the evil one that wants to make sin look appealing. Help us understand how utterly, utterly sinful and disgusting and evil sin can be. Help us, Lord, to believe that the little compromises here and there with sin, oh, Lord, it could lead us places we never could have imagined. And I pray that it would not get any of us. So, Lord, we thank you again. You're forgiving. The blood of Christ does cleanse us from all sins. We bless you. Where there's need to repentance, I pray it would be sincere and from the heart. But our desire, Father, is to be moving forward into 2022 victoriously, triumphantly, a stronger Christian. And so I pray, Father, if there's any sins that we need to repent of that are holding us back, that are preventing the fullness of your blessing, help us, Lord, to be repentant in that area. We pray these things and bless you in Jesus' name and give you glory now. Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, God bless you all. Hey, I know I thank you. A lot of you were praying for my for me yesterday, and indeed, um, I am feeling a whole lot better. Still got a little cold, but you know, it's winter time. It happens, doesn't it? A lot of people do. So I'm feeling better. Thank you for your prayers. January sixth. I know a lot of people are going to make a big deal about today. To me, let's move on. Let's be strong. Let's let's uh, live the lives God calls us to live. Father, give us the serenity, accept the things we cannot change. The Courage to change the things we can. The wisdom know the difference. I think 2022 is going to be a good year in every way imaginable. But there's, we're going to fight for our we're fight. We're in a spiritual battle. Let's fight it hard. Let's prevail this year. God bless you. I'll be back tomorrow, 8:30 a.m. So whether you're with me live or here, watch later on in the day or listen to the podcast, either one. God bless you, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Bye bye.